another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. If you're visiting tonight or you haven't been in the last couple of weeks, you may not know this, but this is our legacy month. And uh, I think uh, as we've said in Auckland, we've been saying it here too, what a great time to be in church, to know that we can create a legacy. You know, legacy seriously is about the ability to live beyond yourself. Christianity is not the kind of religion. In fact, it's not even a religion where we just come in and we discover that God can meet our needs. It takes us on a journey to realize that we can actually change the course of somebody else's life through our giving and through our investing and our believing in people. You know, I discovered today there's an ache in the human heart, which is an ache for intimacy. People are looking for intimacy. We're trying all kinds of things. The world is trying to work out the answer to it. And I've discovered that, you know, marriage won't give you the intimacy you need. It's great, but it won't give you the intimacy. And no human relationship can give you what God can give you. And, uh, and I think we as the church have got to begin to realize that God is actually causing the church to rise as it gets darker. We don't need to fear darkness. We just need to be more light. We just need to stand up and make a difference in the world that God's positioned us in. And uh, we've been throughout these last few weeks just talking about this theme that as a Christian, we're here to seed tomorrow, today. A lot of people think, I want a different tomorrow. But the, the question is, You know, it's how you respond in your today that determines what tomorrow will look like. In fact, your life today is the result of how you've responded yesterday. You see, if you've been hurt yesterday and you didn't deal with it, that hurt still lives today. If you start thinking about others around you, it's amazing how God begins to bring the breakthrough for you. And, uh, you know, this whole thought of legacy comes around this thought that to leave a legacy, we've got to invest into one. We've got to realize that actually we can change the world. You know, I I lived a lot of my early Christian life from this worldview. I just just wanted somebody to accept me until I realized I had to accept myself. So then I could help other people accept themselves. And I had to invest in that. I had to change my thinking around that. And, you know, we, we as a church, life right across Auckland, here in Melbourne, we're believing that God is going to cause us if you haven't been here, this may shock you, but to raise 45 million in three and a half years. And you go, well, why would we want to do that? Because we feel like God's asking us to scale a mountain that's going to release us into a lot of what He's called us to do, to be a leading community agency. That the church actually, we're going to see our facilities in Auckland paid for. We're saving up already in Melbourne to have a facility in Melbourne. And we're beginning to build God's house But it's not about the building of buildings. In fact, people have said to me, well, I don't give to buildings. I don't give to buildings either. I give to creating a kingdom legacy. I give to seeing the church become what she ought to be. And uh, you might say, yeah, but I've been hurt by the church. Hey, everybody's been in church has been hurt by the church. You actually haven't been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people in the church. Any relational setting that you're going to be vulnerable in, you're going to get hurt sometimes. But you don't stop there. You continue to sow into it. And I just want to encourage you, you know, to actually be in tune. I got this little email. I shared it this morning from one of the young guys in the church and he's got his legacy journal and he just wrote to me. He said, hey, pastor, this morning I found myself sitting up in bed with my legacy journal and I was thanking God for today. You can tell 
what kind of guy he was. It was like, it's a new day and I'm just thanking God for today. Here I am in June 2017 and I remembered it was my Nana's birthday. Her name was Bernice May Phelps. She's in heaven now. But notice what he said, but her legacy. You see, I today tell everybody about her. I tell them how she's my hero, how her hugs would envelop everyone with warmth, how she'd pick me up from school and burn the other guys off at the lights. And they would say, you're so lucky. He responded by saying, luck? No. You got to get this. My Nana didn't grow up in a good family like I did. In fact, she married a man 15 years older that she met at a dance. Then Pop died when my mum was young and they lost their farm and ended up in a state house. I love what he writes. He says, but hope has a name. Come on, legacy has a future. And the story doesn't stop or end there. Because a lovely lady would introduce my nan to Jesus and legacy would transcend. I stand here as a result of a decision in time that changed the eternal trajectory of my family line. Legacy like love is not luck. It's a choice. You know, it's not about just the raising of money. It's about we're going to create a pathway for people to walk on. In Auckland, there's a harbour bridge. You know what I mean? You just drive it because it's been there. But do you know people lost their lives building that bridge so that other people could access, come on, the fullness of the city. And I believe that God's calling the church and we're not here to put pressure on anyone in regards to money. But we will be strong about saying, you know, you were created to create a dynasty. You were created to have a legacy, an echo after your life. He said, I don't have to figure it out before I go all in. Because like my man Nan did, so will I. The decisions I make today have great meaning in the unseen world of tomorrow. We've already seen Proverbs 13 says, a good person, what? Leaves an inheritance to their children's children. I wonder if there'll be an echo out of your life, out of my life, two generations on. I wonder if people go, you know what? Thank God for Nan and Pop. Because they were people that got it. And they decided, come on, to invest today's seed for tomorrow's harvest. Let's go to the screen. You're going to be encouraged by Legacy Week 3.
It's amazing to really understand that each and every generation, including us today, have been entrusted by God to create a generational echo. I think when we talk of faith, I look back to the faithfulness of God and the miracle of the journey of life is just profound. When you think about so many already have invested, have made sacrifices because they believe in the people that are yet to be reached. Some of those are you and I here today. I look back to the birthing of life 25 years ago, nine years of setting up facilities and packing them down, starting at 5.30 in the morning, finishing at 11.30 at night, same team, week after week, because they believed that God could touch people. As you look at our facilities, the history of how God moved, our first purchase was the offices in Boston Road. At the time, it seemed impossible, but God said, yes. Mount Eden property, again, a far bigger step, and God said yes. Down to South Auckland, Montgomery Road, we were looking for a school hall, and God said, yes, this big 15-acre property up at Albany, down now in Monaco, and the future yet for Melbourne. You know, I've had people say to me, why would you put money into buildings? Because facilities create the platform, create a home for people to discover the fullness of God. And I look back and I thank God that even in the building of facilities, lives are touched. Through all of the property negotiations and resource consents, God is at work, not just for the outcome, but in the hearts and lives of people along the way. I, I suppose for me, growing up in the environment um, and always when, when I was at home, being out in the bush making tree huts was my absolute passion. Um, was always making something or in the bush doing something with tools. So um, for me, it was, an, it was I always wanted to build. From there, uh, into commercial, which I really, really enjoyed. Loved the commercial scene. And then um, started with Stride, which that was my first um, time with Joe and Sam. So this would have been my first job for life here at, at Albany. Meeting the guys first up, such nice, down-to-earth, humble guys. Um, so generous for the time um, that come here and walk around you feel so at ease with them. After that would have been the, the, the main opening. So we actually came to the main opening and we were just blown away. Just couldn't believe what this all was for people. Um, walked in here and it's just like, wow, just blown away with the friendliness, the atmosphere, and it felt right. But we weren't quite ready ourselves, um, but very, very interested. Myself and Joe got talking he kind of said to me, hey, I think you would really do well and enjoy church. So um, he invited us here. He came with us. I felt I needed something more in my life than this work. And, and yeah, it was just really getting down me. And he, he, he said, why don't you give it a shot? And um, yeah, spoke to Haley, And um, then and here we are now. So we've been in a church environment now for a good part of three and a half years, and 
It's just changed us like you wouldn't believe. The way we treat each other wasn't fantastic before the church environment. Um, same sort of pitfalls we both had. The longer we were in church, just it was incredible just to see how we were interacting with each other. And Kayla was just incredible. My original approach was build these buildings the best we can. That was my number one goal. Um, but since going to church, it's kind of evolved from, it's a great facility, but it brings so much community. Like it's just an environment which is warm and fighting, and it, it makes people feel good. Um, and they go from here, they bring people in, and they go out again and spread the word. It's just so incredible. I, I just can't put a value on that. My purpose, the whole focus and point has definitely changed. Cullen, the right person in the right place. And I just love how passionate he is about our new central build in Normandy Road. You know, the fact is, we have a mountain in front of us three and a half years to our 2020 vision. And again, naturally, many of us have thought, God, how will this be possible? You know what? As I said before, faith is spawned within faithfulness. The Bible tells us to look back, to think about the journey so far, and then be faithful with what God entrusts us. Over the last two and a half years, I've been reminded how that 12 years ago, God said it was time for South and we were looking for a school hall. And then we walked on to the 15-acre property in Montgomery Road. And it was like God said, this is what I want. And in our spirits, we were excited. In our minds, how would we ever carry a building that needed development, a total package of $17 million, when we had no money to pay for it? In fact, for nine years, every cent we had to calculate because of the step God asked us to take to which we responded, yes. Then four years ago, in the middle of all of that, still kind of not sure how it was gonna work out, we found out that our central property was being acquired by land transport. And then in the negotiation period of what they would pay us, we had the big site come up at Normanby Road. And it was like, well, God, we need a big size property, but there is so much that needs to come together, how do we know? And we felt like God say, trust me, I've been faithful. And so there in the middle of that time, I remember standing before our leaders in our heart and soul, February, 2015 and saying, you know what? I believe God's saying that we can trust Him to see our 23 million worth of total debt paid for by 2020. It was like, how would that happen? Every step, it's like God, it's bigger than us. And then only two months later, for the owners of the Hoyts Complex in South Auckland to knock on the door and ask, would we be interested? Here's the miracle, the same voice, which was the voice of God that said to buy the 15 acres. Now we're saying, now you'll see why. So we divided up the 15 acres, we sold it in five lots, we purchased the new Manukau facility, and we saw a miracle. We negotiated with the central development, even had high court judges involved and settled on an incredible breakthrough, which helped us secure the two properties in Normanby Road, almost five acres. Today, 
a value of close to 40 million. You know, I look back and I go, God, we're not that smart. God, we're not that able, but we do have the ability to say yes. And then of course, up at North, Plan B, the building next to our building came up for sale and we just knew we had to secure the future. And today, we've seen North continue to grow with potential for the future. South, brand new venue with over 400 car parks. And to think that our net equity has moved from 18 million to a net worth now of 53 million. It actually says we have a foundation to see every part of life grow. Think about Melbourne, already we're putting money aside to the future and the facility that's needed for what God is doing. Legacy is formed when all of us commit to seeding tomorrow today. See, I wanna encourage you today, our legacy offering is about setting up the next three and a half years to see not only what we've seen take place, but I believe all of Central to be paid for in its first stage. God multiplies the seed that we invest. And I wanna ask you, as you see the faithfulness of God up till today, whether you'll be faithful with what He's asked you to do. Let our commitment not be about what we know to do, but what He asks us to do. Because the truth is, if God's been in our past, He will be in our future. Will you be part of life's legacy? Together, we can make a difference. Pretty phenomenal. You know, it's phenomenal when you have people come up to you as we do now and say, hey, Pastor Paul, we were here more than 20 years ago. Had a lady come up to me. She used to be on staff in our children's work and just last Sunday said, I just want to say thank you. Tears running down her cheeks. She says, my daughter's just got into one of the top universities in America. The youngest ever to get into that university in its history, if I mentioned its name, you'd know it, has been 30 years of age. And so she applied and got me to write a reference and the response was no. And she says, well, I'm going over to see who's ever in charge. She's 22, just been accepted into the university. But her mum was saying, her mum and dad said, you know what? It's because of people believing in us, making a platform for us to stand on. God has made the difference. And tonight, you know, you could be here if you're visiting and going, what do you mean a church that has a campus here in Melbourne and Auckland three campuses is looking to raise 45 million so that we can have at least 20 million per annum going into community need. How could that happen? I tell you how it can happen because we've seen, as I said, the faithfulness of God release faith into the hearts of people. Here at Life, we've never put pressure on people to do what they're not ready to do. But at the same time, we will share what we believe God's giving us to do. And I want to just encourage you, you know, I get to travel globally every year and speak in so many different contexts, both in the corporate world and also in churches. And You know, I'm amazed how many Christians live with inactive belief. In other words, they nod their head and say, you know, I believe God's there, but they fail to step in. Come on, to the purpose and the promise of God for their own lives and the generation in which they live. And, you know, I look at that. Elijah went to this uh, widow in Zarephath, if you understand a little bit of the story in First Kings 17, Elijah was the prophet 
Israel was in a time where it had lost its fervency. It's, it had just become used to its Christian walk. And so the man of God just prophesied a drought over the nation and the drought came. Because he knew that when the things we supply or where our supply dried up, people turned back to God. And so we prophesied this drought and God speaks to Elijah and he says, you know, need to go to the brook Cherith and I'm going to look after you there. I'll provide water from the brook and I'll bring ravens to feed you. And the prophet went down and had the provision of God. But it's an interesting thing. After a while, because of the drought that he prophesied, the brook dried up. And then God comes in and he says, you realize I'm leading you on a journey. So I'm going to take you from the brook now and I'm going to cause you to live in Seraphath. And when you get there, I'm going to provide for you through a widow. And so Elijah goes to Zarephath. We pick up the story in verse 10. He arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Now we get this picture that there's a lady at the gate of the city. She's getting sticks for a fire, but it wasn't quite like that. Because he called her and said, hey, would you bring me or get for me a little cup of water that I may drink? And as she was going to it, he cried out and he said, please bring with it a morsel of bread in your hand. Can you imagine being Elijah? God's directed you and he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. And there's going to be a widow who's going to provide. And he most probably thought she's going to be a rich woman. But if you know the context, this widow was about to die. She was going to have one last meal and her and her son were going to die. They're going to starve to death. That was it. No provision from the government. And yet God sends Elijah to her. He sees the skinny woman getting a few sticks, hardly able to walk. I don't think I'm exaggerating the truth. And so he just says to her, listen, would you get me a cup of water? And the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not what I asked you to do. I'm asking you to ask her for bread that you can eat. So he says, no, would you get me a piece of bread? And she says in verse 12, responding, as the Lord God lives, I don't have bread. Come on, how many have ever said, God, Why is the brook dried up? God, how come I'm not having the blessing and the breakthrough? God, you promised so much and it's not happening. And God says, because you're not activated. See, one of the climbing partners of legacy is obedience. It's like, would you be obedient? Don't do what I'm asking you to do. Do what God's asking you to do. Because as you begin to do that, we, we, we can't believe what's happening through life, through all of us. Come on. We've increased our net equity in three years by over 40 million. It's not because people come with big checks. It's just because we said yes to what God asked us to do in the past. And then God came up and showed up. And this is the story. So she says, you know what? I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son. We're going to eat it. And that's it. Then Elijah says, don't fear. What What a message that is. I could just preach all night on that. Why why would we allow fear? Why would we allow the size of our seed to determine what our future will look like? Why would we allow what is here and now when we profess to be connected to a God that can do all things? Do not fear. What you need to do is be obedient. Go and do as you have said, but this is where it needs to change. I want you to make a small cake from it first but make it for me. How many know you could get really ticked off somebody asking a person who's about to die with their last bit of flour and oil 
to make it first for the man of God. And if you bring it to me afterwards, I want you to make some for yourself and your son, for this is what God is saying. The bin of flour won't be used up, nor will your jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. And I wrote this down today, that fear projects today's limitations into our tomorrow. Whereas God looks at how we respond with obedience today. And it's our obedience that determines tomorrow's outcome. God's raising up a generation of people that aren't just going to do church. Come on, we are here to provide an answer of help to a generation that's saying, where is God? If God so loves me, how come there's nobody to warn me, nobody to feed me, nobody to give me a life? Where, where is the church? We speak so high, but we do so little. And I feel like God is preparing us as a church and other churches, but us to take this step of faith to go, we're going to prepare ourselves for, come on, a reach into the community like we've never, ever seen before. Because the truth is, you know, if we want to leave a legacy, we've got to invest into one. And that's the thing, as you begin to live a life that goes further than you've ever gone before, you might say, well, Paul, are you, you asking me to give? No, I'm asking you to be obedient. I'm asking you, Marie and I, 25 and a half years we've been doing this. Day one, God asked us to do things we could never do. Come on, all the way for 25 years, every stage, it's been a step we couldn't do. When we bought that building for 17 million, there was no bank in New Zealand that would say yes, but we said yes. And then God showed us these many years later, as we've seen this miracle in the last three years, this is what God said to me. He said, to every major triumph, there is a preceding test. You don't get the breakthrough by sitting on your chuff in church and not being being obedient to what God's asking you to do. If you're not prepared to use the flour and the oil you have, you don't see a breakthrough. You don't create a legacy because you live according to the things that you have and you project that into the future rather than actually being obedient to the things of God. You know, I, I don't know how I can get this out, but in the three days that we were fasting, much of the church, and you've been fasting here in Melbourne, you know, I felt like God showed me again. He said, Paul, you know the way I work. And I said, well, I'm getting to understand it. He says, I take the weak things and make them strong. I take what others would say is impossible and it could never happen. And I want to show the world what I can do. I actually believe, let, let's go on record. I believe God is asking life and He's asking a lot of churches to do a lot of things, but He's asking us, and you know what? We're saying yes, to do something that is so crazy so impossible to raise 45 million in three and a half years that he can show the world, come on, how God can move in the most improbable ways. And it's going to, I believe, birth a community revelation, revolution in the church where the church is going to get up and provide the needs of people and show them that God cares, not just preach about it. That's how much I'm committed to it. And so you go, you're, you're pretty passionate. I'm, I'm absolutely passionate. We've gone to God and we said, God, what do you want Marie and I to do and our family to do? It's like, it's crazy what God's saying. But I have a belief that if it's God asking us to do it, we can do it. You see, this is what I've discovered is obedience amplifies the right voice. You get a voice from God, you know. We're all led by somebody's voice. It can be the voice of fear. It can be the voice of what has been in the past. But as I said, legacy, come on, partners with obedience. And that's what we need to do. And the enemy hates a church, hates 
A family hates an individual that would live with a generational view. Again, I said this morning, do you know that money people don't give? Not much. But surrendered, legacy, committed people give. And they may have money or not. It's where the money's got them. And I just want to be a part of a church, come and have the privilege of pastoring a church that really lives with not just obedience, but trust. That we're actually going to do whatever God asks us to do. You, you, you think, man, life is scary. Put your seatbelt on, it's going to get scarier. You go, what do you mean? Because we cannot afford just to do church Sunday by Sunday. We are here, come on, to take ground. Could I have an amen? I thought this was Sunday night. It's kind of like, you, you are a part. You go, yeah, but I've struggled my whole life in finances. Well, we're going to help you break through. We're going to help you become a part of God's answer in the day in which you live. You're not just another, come on, person on planet Earth existing. You were created before time with the stamp of God on you. And you go, yeah, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, why would you allow today to determine your tomorrow? It's kind of like, come on, let's be a part of an army that's actually going to make a difference. In fact, I've discovered if you're going to be obedient, you will have to trust. What does trust do? It secures a long-term view. It's kind of like, well, it might not be happening now, but God's on it, so therefore I can trust Him in it. And I'm not just going to sit in the background and do nothing. I mentioned this morning, there's a guy that came to Life Conference this year, and you all need to come next year. Pastor Craig's going to pay for all of you to come. His name's Joel Holm. He's a missionary kid. His parents served God as missionaries in Seoul, Korea. Amazing story. He grew up. They had hardly any money to run together it was after the, the war and there were so many orphans in South Korea that as they were praying, God directed his parents to start an orphanage. They had no money. He began to explain how it was impossible, but they said yes. Everything we do here is just, if it's God, it's yes. We don't work out how, we just say yes. And so they said yes. And yet the story unfolded over many years. It cost them everything. Often it was impossible, but they ended up building an orphanage. Joel went back to, as he grew up, went back to America, did some of his study there and then met his wife, got married. They had a daughter and God spoke to them about adopting some children and felt to go back to Korea, went back to Korea and ended up in the orphanage, just directed by the Holy Spirit that his parents built. And there was a five-year-old boy, very traumatized by what he had been through. His name was Josh. And they saw this five-year-old boy God said, that's him. And they adopted him and they recount how those first years were like hell on earth because he was so traumatized. Being so screwed up by what he'd been through that just to get him to normal human living was a job. They were recounting the story years later when Josh had got through some things and he said to his adopted dad who had called dad, Joel, he said, dad, are you meaning to tell me when he heard the story that my grandparents... 40 years before I was born said yes you'll never know what's on the other side of your God yes eternity's going to tell them we see a little but it's only a reflection and I'm saying to everybody you might go well I don't have much Paul I don't want you to do what I'm asking you to do I'm wanting you to be obedient and to trust another two climbing partners to say God you can take me to this level. You see, to leave a legacy, we've got to invest into one. And You know, here at Melbourne, how many know God's doing an amazing thing? 
I love this church because it's our church. We're doing it together. And, you know, this year already people have pre-committed and people have said, hey, we're in. You say, well, how are we going to do this, Paul? It's kind of like I feel like God's given us something to pray into, and that's to believe that over the three and a half years, we're going to see 3,000 legacy partners. Come on, people are going to come from the left and the right. God's going to bring them and go, we're in, because God's asking us to be a part of it. And we're going to raise that 45 million. We're going to break it into three categories, three lots of 15 million. And so we've actually talked about, I'll show you a few slides in a minute, but we've talked about Gideon's 300. I feel like there's going to be 300 people God's going to raise up and they're going to take on 30 million and then there's going to be 2,700 legacy builders that are going to take on 15 million over three and a half years and we're going to see this miracle happen. You go, well, why again? So that we can be positioned to see at least 20 million per annum after at the end of 2020 going into community. And I'm telling you, if God's on it, which He is, it's going to happen. And the question is, could God take the seed that you have, the jar of oil, the little bit of flour and see it expand and bless you in the process. See God take us to new levels. You know, we, last year we're in a incredible time because we'd seen God open up two facilities, which was south you've seen and north. And yet we were told that the council wanted our city facility, it was too small anyway. But there were no guarantees, there was nothing that we could put our hand on heart and say, this is going to happen. And yet we had told the church, God was leading and God was taking us through. And even like anybody, Marie and I and our wider family, we had a situation that was really heart-wrenching because we all go through stuff. And we went to a conference one night. We got there not long before it started. I like to support other conferences when I can and went into the green room and met one of the speakers, the speaker of that night, just for literally 90 seconds. And then he started the conference. And when he got up to speak, he'd never met us before, knew nothing about us, prophesied over Marie and I. And I want you to look at it on the screens because I want you to understand that God's with us. God's in it. And God knows where we're going. Come on, let's see what he brought on the screens. I'm going to pray. I do want to pray over. I'm, I just met a lovely pastor and his wife, Pastor Paul, and his wife from... Uh, Life Church, would you stretch your hands toward them right there and next to Pastor Sam? Father, thank you for this lovely couple. We bless them in the name of Jesus, the Lord of the church. And thank you, God, for the integrity they carry. Thank you, God, for the father and mother spirit. Thank you, God, for the triumphant testimony of faithfulness to you. We bless them and declare your kingdom over them in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, God's made you like a judge in the kingdom. God's given you authority, sir. God's given you a jurisdiction of righteousness, you and your wife, because of a proven and established record. And the Lord is with you in this season. This is the triumphant season of breakthrough. This is the triumphant season of two projects being completed. This is the triumphant season of sons and daughters fulfilling destiny and rising the purpose and manifesting the kingdom. This is a triumphant season of those seeds growing into great plants and great trees of righteousness. This is a triumphant season in your own family when the one with a broken heart is going to receive a miracle before this season ends and God's working powerfully for you and with you and in you. It's a triumphant season for a building 
miracle, a breakthrough in what you've been believing for almost four years is going to happen. This is a season of completion, a season of fulfillment, a season of finality, a season of accomplishment. God's doing something. And because you've maintained an integrity and walked in the jurisdiction of your calling and been and, and been a person in the kingdom of God that recognizes authority. You have authority because you're under authority and you have established the kingdom of God. God, I thank you for blessing this precious man and woman. I saw God do a miracle for your family. God, thank you for his awesome wife, her ministry, her destiny, her insight, her prophetic understanding, her overcoming spirit. Thank you for all that you've done in them. It's amazing, huh? As one of the fathers of the faith across Australasia, I don't want you to miss it. Not everybody here tonight necessarily is called to the vision that God's given us at life. But if you are, I feel like Elijah. I don't want you to miss it. If you're not obedient, and that obedience is going to require trust. You can have all of the belief in the world, but live such a shallow life. When Elijah said to the woman, the widow, about to die, you make me bread first. He wasn't asking for him. I want you to get this. He was asking for her. I'm not asking for us to pay off 45 minutes. I'm asking for you. There is so much more that God wants to do in you and through you. You don't have to do what I do. You just got to be obedient and trust God for you. And if you do that, miracles will happen. You go, but Paul... No church in Australasia has raised 45 million. Well, you know, our church already, I want you to go to the screens. You talk about Gideon's 300. Let's put that first slide up. We're going to believe that 300 people with financial capacity are going to raise 30 million. You go, how would that ever happen? Well, we're going to believe 30 of the 300 are going to raise 15 million. People with huge financial capacity have tuned ear to God are going to go and find the wood to make that happen the 270 are going to raise 15 million in three and a half years that means we'll raise 30 million out of 300 individuals couples or families that feel called to that you go well how how would anyone do that then that would remain 2700 we're going to be praying that we're going to have 3000 legacy partners they're going to raise that 15 million so that's an average of around 5 million a year and it happens when God speaks to people just to give you an update, we took up our offering, our first part, people were giving today as well in Auckland. And last week, this is where we're at with what has been raised. In New Zealand, we've already got 85 people that said, I'm into Gideon's 300. And those 85 people, families, couples, have already committed over three and a half years to $12.73 million. Come on, somebody should get excited by that. It's like... That's more than we've ever seen before. And then we've got 1,451 legacy builders that have committed this year to just under $3 million. And we're believing for an average of five over the three and a half years. So wherever we start, we're going to be praying into it. Did you know that our staff alone has committed three quarters of a million? 
in the next 12 months to what God is doing. We had 24, 25 of our staff commit to more than $10,000 this year because we believe in it. You look at what's happened in Melbourne. Let's go to the next slide. Pre-commitments up until this point. Did you know here in Melbourne, there are seven people that have already said, I'm going to be part, we're going to be part of the Gideon's 300. And they've committed already to 465,000 over three and a half years. And then there's already amongst the leaders, 59 people here at Life Melbourne that are committing in the next 12 months to raise 351,000. Come on, $740. And of course, if you add the two together, I think we've got that. Let's go to the last slide. If we have New Zealand and Australia, because we're one church, we're life. Come on, we've already got over 13 million committed over the next three and a half years. We've already for this year, over and above that 13 million, have got 3.312 million. That's without what's coming in today here in Melbourne, what's also coming in from those that were in church last week in New Zealand, and we're underway. Hey, look at me, look at me. Here in Melbourne, because of the generous generosity already committed, do you know that we can now start CAP, Christians Against Poverty, right here, right now? You realise already because of the generosity, we can put more money aside for the facility that we're going to need in Melbourne as we continue to grow. Not only that, we're able to, not just this year, but in future years, up our Christmas boxes. So we're going to move this year in Melbourne to pack 3,500 Christmas boxes this year. Across life, get this, this year we will pack more than 20,000 Christmas boxes. And just let the world know, come on, God cares. God cares. People sometimes say, so where are we going with community? Did you hear what the prophet Michael Maiden said? In this season, this season we've articulated is 2020. We're going to see this miracle happen. And we get to be a part of it. All we need is obedience and trust. Can I pray? Come on, as we prepare our hearts. Some of us gave this morning, but we're just going to pray that God is going to raise up 3,000 legacy partners. Father, we thank you today that even though we need to be diligent and it costs to climb a mountain, we don't have to carry the weight. It's you that's building your church. Lord, we pray that every one of us will not allow fear to direct us, but obedience mixed with trust to create legacies in the lives of people. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org